Fantastic. Before I, I start, I, you know one of the things that, for me, church is? Church has got to be a parallel of family. So I don't know if you've noticed, one of the things I like to do is to stand at the door there as people come into church. Because when people come to visit my home, it's not very good if I just sit on the couch when they come to visit me. No, you jump up, you go to the front door, you open the door, and you say, hi, welcome to church, welcome home. Well, welcome home. You give them a hug and you greet them. Well, church has got to be the same. Now, put your hand up if you go, this is your church. This is your church. Right. So you're at home. Relax. Put your feet up. Relax. This is your home. But do you know what that means? What that means is that once you walk in the door, you then turn around and you give everybody else that comes in a big hug. Welcome to my house. Our house. Does that make sense? What happens at home and what happens at church is very, very similar. Should be, yeah. That's why I go, we all get up and give everybody a hug and say hello to people. How, how rude if I have people in my house and I just sit there, carry on watching TV. Make yourself at home. Just get something out of the fridge if you want something. Sorry, sorry I shouldn't put an Australian accent on. It. <laughs> I do that, should I? That's not very nice. I'm not, okay. Anyhow, let's just shove that away. Okay, so we're doing second part of defending the faith. Are you ready to go? You need to be sharp this morning. Because I've got this this thing where um, some people say, hey, you've got to make it simple so everybody can understand it. You go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you've got other people going, we're too simplistic in church. You need to be a lot more deeper and a lot more technical about things. I'm thinking, how do I go between those? Because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that, that intelligent there, and, but I'm not. So I'm going to try and go in the middle, okay? Does that make sense? Okay. So uh, apologetics, just so you know what apologetics is, because we hear that saying. And, and if you're new as a Christian, your first thing is go, so that's apologizing about being a Christian, is it? Um, well, no, it's not. This is what it is. Apologetics is the art of defending and providing rational defense for your Christian belief. Why do you believe what you believe? It does not mean about apologizing for your beliefs, but rather engaging in thoughtful and intellectual Ooh, intellectual, that sounds good, eh? Don't go to sleep on me, okay? Intelli- you can all follow what I do this morning, okay? But you're going to have to lean in and go, right, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to learn this morning. Uh, intellectual discourse presenting compelling reasons. Okay, so it's this, this, you know, what I find is in doing this is the more I go into it, the more complex it gets, and the more I'm blown away that it goes, yes, without a doubt, there is a God. Um, but why people believe is a fascinating thing. Because even recently, we were just I was talking to some new Christians, and I asked them why they believed. And a lot of them didn't run to the scientific reason as to why they believe. They went to, well, I've just started, started been interested in God and praying and there's all these coincidences happening and I'm sensing and I'm feeling it. So it's a, a subjective sort of feeling as to why they believe in God. And, and we all run along different, I suppose, different lines of what is it that makes you believe? Why do you believe in God? Can you actually articulate why you believe? 
and what has it made you come to your belief? See, our personal beliefs and faith are built on what we know and what we've chosen to believe. And when I say chosen to believe, we all choose what we believe without getting controversial. But COVID was a great illustration of deciding what you're going to believe. (laughs) Wasn't it? We all had the same facts in place as a society, and some went down this road, and some went down this road, and some became so, so true. And, and I don't know about you, at times you're going, where's the truth in this? Who's, oh, that, this guy, I'll put it down here. Is that all right, Dean? No, I'm, it's just because I'm breathing. If I stop breathing, we'll be all right. <laughs> if it gets too bad, I'll, I'll take it off. How's that? Oh, 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 we found it. Don't move. Okay. So why do you believe? Uh, you know, I first believed because my parents told me. Yeah. I, that, um, and they, they always tell the truth, don't they, parents? Yeah. <laughs> and then I grew up. And then I grew up, and, and, and most of the reason I believed is because of everybody around me. That, that helped me believe and, and that. But uh, over time, there became other thoughts that people would present. And that became challenging at times because I'm trying, well, they're saying this and then they're saying this and I'm, I'm trying, to, trying to put it together. And, um, you know, why you can believe can be based on a whole lot of reasons. And, you know, I like the, the picture of a house has a whole lot of foundations on it. You know, you've got a whole lot of, what are, they, what are they, posts or that you build your piles, piles. You've got a whole lot of piles around and, and you build your, your house on those piles, you believe. And over time, you know, the more piles you have as to why you believe, the more stable it is. Fascinating thing, though, is that a few years back, I, I, I got one of my piles got challenged by a whole lot of Christians who were, who were deconstructing everything. And suddenly, it was amazing how just this one pillar amongst, say, 30 got unstable, how much the rest of my faith felt like it was unstable. And that's the trick of the enemy. He'll attack one thing and then say, go, you know, this might not be true. And suddenly we're going, well, does, is everything I believe true or not? And part of what we've got to do is keep going back to our foundation stone. And what is it that makes you believe what you believe? And uh, we're going to try and get you some of the things that you can go have a look at. Um, the reason you believe is because of a whole lot of reasons. And... Um, You know, in some ways, the more I look for reasons to believe, the more I find reasons to believe. And I think it can go the same way. The more you look for things why you can't believe or don't want to believe, the more you can find things. It's a little bit like the yellow cars that you've heard me talk about. How many people remember yellow cars? Driving along with my son about two years ago, and um, he goes, yellow car, and whacks me on the shoulder. And I go, what was that for? He says, I saw a yellow car. And so he'd keep going on about these yellow cars, and he kept whacking me on the, on the arm, and it was getting really sore. And I decided, hey, I better look for yellow cars too, because I want to get them back. So I got yellow cars, and whack, 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 whack. And, and now there's all these yellow cars that I've never ever seen before. You start looking for things, you find them. The more I look for evidence for God, I just keep finding it everywhere. It's too, it's too, it's, 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 it's true. I'm so excited. Matthew 7, 7 to 8 says, keep on asking and you will receive. 
what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks find, and everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. <clears throat> you know, the funny thing though is that you can have all the facts and still not believe. That, that really messes with me. You can give someone an obvious factual thing and they go, no, I don't believe. A lot of reasons why is because they think if I have to believe for God, then there's a whole lot of other things that I now have to accept and agree and and think about. Um, You know, (laughs) I I had a mate once that I was trying to witness to, and I said to him, you know, he he was, uh, it was a second marriage, um, and uh, he'd had a vasectomy, and he wanted to have kids again, so he'd had that reversed, and and he was trying to have kids, and it wasn't working. And I said to him, so listen, if I pray for you, and your wife gets pregnant in a year's, uh, nine months' time, will you believe that there is a God? He went, oh, yeah, I suppose so. Okay, I'm going to pray right now. I prayed. Nine months later, she had a baby. Ah. When I went back to him, so what do you think? Oh, yeah, just coincidence. <laughs> you know, we, we choose to believe what we want to believe, even with all the facts in front of us. We don't always believe exactly what's there. Uh, you know, and Jesus illustrates this, this again when he, um, when he talks about the rich man and Lazarus. He, he says, you know, he, um, Lazarus said, look, uh, no, the rich man says, look, if you just send back someone who will be raised from the dead, then all my family will believe. Yet that's what's happened. And we still don't believe. What does he say? But Abraham said, if, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets and they won't be persuaded, even if someone raises from the dead. And isn't that fascinating? And one of the strong things for our belief belief is is how factual and how much evidence there is to Jesus actually living, dying, and and coming back to life. It's it's amazing. The big problem for a lot of people is that if God is real, that means everything in my world has to change, and I'm not sure if I'm willing to accept that. People would rather say, I'll choose not to believe, and I'll create my own explanation for everybody, because that means that I'm not without, I've got an excuse not to believe in God. So for me, the personal things, and and I'm just going to whip through a whole lot of things that you're going to have to go, right, I want to go and have a look at that. There is so much information. You know, even one of my statements, you could go away and, and find books on them. It's, it's not simplistic. It's very, very deep. But uh, Eleanor did last week. She, she, oh, sorry. Why do I believe? Because I believe, I also know that there's a whole lot of things that get added as a bonus because I believe in God. One of the bonuses is that I've got a purpose. One, that's a bonus. One of the things is that I, I just definitely feel that the God gives me life and, and empowers me to live. And... <laughs> And I also go, I definitely know that that Christianity creates a better world if it's followed, if we live by it. You know, if we all live like Jesus lived, what a better world this would be. It works. So that's the bonus of it. Okay. So Eleanor last week, she did four things that she talked about. And you can go listen to her one. She talked about the Bible. Okay, so, and there's lots of detail on that. There's prophecies in the Bible. There's the resurrection of Jesus. I think they're all up there. And there's creation. Okay, Um, and I'm going to get Dave Mann just to quickly come out here and talk about, he's just done a series on why why Christians believe. Okay, why Christians believe. And he's right here, and here comes the mic. And uh, so do you want to just tell people about that? Because I reckon this is a great thing to go go and have a look at and to listen to. Go, Dave. Awesome. Hey, thanks, uh, Alan. Kia ora, everyone. 
Great. Uh, can you pop, uh, if we pull the slides down, I've got uh, four slides there. There you go on the slides, perfect. Um, our, our work relates to outreach across the country, so we're looking at strategically what's going to help the church as a whole to be stronger in its witness. And uh, one of the things is we can do a lot of work to get people in the front door, but what happens if people are walking out the back door? And if a person isn't fundamentally convinced the faith is true, then they're going to hold on to it lightly. For the next slide, one of the areas this especially shows up is with young adults. And uh, the statistics at the moment remain that around about two-thirds of all young adults leave our churches in the 18 to 22-year-old age bracket. So that's, um, that's quite a problem. I've read studies from 30 years ago and studies from five years ago, and uh, tragically those stats are around the same. Three key reasons for that. Insufficient experience of the faith. So if they haven't experienced the reality of the Holy Spirit, if, if it's just dead tradition, then they have no reason to hold on to it. Second, insufficient reasons to believe the faith to be true when faced with alternative ideas. So they go to university or they're at school and they're being picked on by their friends for believing in a God. Um, and third reason, insufficient support. So they finish in youth group, they go to the young adults ministry, it's not as vibrant, they lose their friends, they go to university, they don't have the support network around them. So one of the questions for us was, what could we do to try and lessen the attrition of young adults from churches? So the next slide, why Christians believe Christianity to be true is a new resource we've created. Um, it's free online at whychristiansbelieve.nz. It's comprised of seven 15-minute videos that have interviews, but then my ugly mug throughout them. Um, then uh, seven discussion guides, and then the seven booklets. So we uh, did about 20,000-word summaries on each topic, reduced that to 6,000 words for the booklets and down to about 2,000 words for the videos. So everything's online at the moment. It's draft form at the moment because we're looking for feedback, uh, but we're going to be uploading the finals around September this year. And next slide, just for one final thought. Um, beliefs lead to behavior. If you convince me that green vegetables are bad for my health, eventually my behavior will follow my belief and I'll stop eating green vegetables. And they are very bad for you, uh, for the young people, just, just so that you know. If it comes to the faith, then consider this simple little thought. If I have a question about the faith because someone's poured skepticism upon it, and just note that our whole society believes our faith has been proven to be true. That's kind of the status quo for us these days. If I've got a question that remains unanswered, it becomes a doubt, right? And if that doubt remains still unanswered, it can become a new belief. And then that new belief undermines two key things that I see. It undermines the confidence we have in our faith. So we, we stop living with the same conviction. We can't be bothered getting out of bed in the morning to go to church, right? We can't be bothered reading our Bible. Why would we do that? The second thing, which relates to my area of work, is it undermines our witness. Because why would we testify towards something that we aren't fundamentally convinced is true? So uh, my suggestion would be that I think we've underestimated the importance of discussing reasons for faith. We live in one of the most secularized societies on the planet. A recent international study placed us number three for secularism on the planet. There is skepticism absolutely everywhere. It's a vital part of the discipleship process, and it's a vital part of our witness process. But like Alan said, most people don't come to faith because they were given a reason. The reasons remove, I think, the hurdles toward faith. But at the end of the day, they have to step out on faith and test and see if it's actually true. They need the Holy Spirit to connect with their heart. So free resource online. Please take a look. Yeah. Very good. Just a side thing, if uh, the kingdom offering, we're, we're raising money. One of the things is that I sit in Dave's, um, on Dave's board with him and we, we talk about this uh, 
why Christians believe, we probably need another 100,000, 120,000 to really get those booklets all printed and so that we can give them out to people. Um, so, you know, so once we've done the kingdom offering, there's something else to do as well. And if we can s- smash the kingdom offering, we'll just send him $100,000 so that he can f- finish that. Is that a good idea? Yeah. Oh, man. How convinced are you? <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> um, you know, we've got to be convinced that what we believe is right. And, and we've really got to go on that, that journey to find out what we believe. Um, in all this, I suppose you end up going down a very logical path. What I'm going to go down through is a whole lot of logical things. But, I under, but one of the things we've got to understand is that there is a spiritual dynam- dimension here. And, and the Bible says that Satan, who's the god of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. There is a blinding that happens. I mean, I've done conversations with people and, and, and given them all the bits and pieces and they just don't see it. How many people have had that? They've been sharing something with people and it's like they just come up with their other reasons and, and it's like they don't even sit there and go, um, let me just think about the reason you just gave. They've jumped onto their other question or they've jumped onto their other thing. And what about this and what about this? And you sort of feel like you never actually establish a fact where you go, okay, hold on, let's just both agree on this or, or not agree on this or why don't you believe on this? It's like they're just, it just ends up in this nebulous rain. Okay, but to defend your faith, there's a whole lot of key arguments that you can get. And these are probably the main ones you can get. And I'm just going to run through them. I'll be honest. Some of them, I've got no idea what the word means, okay? Just so you, and you can go find out. So the first one is the cosmological argument. This is probably my, no, I think one of the ones that I really like. It explores the existence of the universe and argues for the necessity of a transcendent cause, e.g. an uncaused, timeless, and spaceless creator, Okay, so it goes through the, looking at all the, the cosmic things. It basically looks at things like uh, there's no way order can come out of chaos without an outside intervention. Okay, it, it looks at the whole cosmos and goes, mate, we've got order in this cosmos. How can it be there? It can't have just appeared there because, you know, that just doesn't make sense. There needs to be an outside source to it. Okay, so uh, the next one is the teleological argument. And the more I've looked into it, this is the one I like the most. It's about design. It's saying, look, the whole un- universe just, just shows that there must be a design because it's so complex and so much going on. And I'm going to jump into a little bit more detail on this one next. The next one is the moral argument. This, is, this looks at moral values and comes to the conclusion that without a God, you can't have moral values. It has to come from outside. And, and, a, and a part of this is, is going, people go, well, hold on. No, no. If we all decide, we, can, we, can, we, we, we all decide what, what's moral, then, then we can do moral. But that doesn't necessarily work. You know, we've got societies let's say Germany and Nazism, that, that affected and everybody, the majority, believed that they were doing the right thing. And we look at it and go, but you killed a whole lot of innocent people. You, the disabled and the, you, you went after the, a race. That's not right. Yet, yet for humankind, if we just do it based on our deciding what I think is right, or we're still what you think is right, then what do we end up with? It, it just ends up in a bit of a mess doesn't it? So we need an outside. So that whole thing is the moral argument. And again, there's books written on that. I've just given you a quick summary and you go, yeah, okay, I sort of get the idea of that. Um, so it addresses moral values. Um, 
are there historical evidence for Jesus? There's a whole lot around that that's, that's huge. You know, and if you go look at Dave's um, videos, you know, the, the, the evidence of Jesus um, in history is so strong, far more than any other person that's in history. It's just unbelievable. Uh, so the historical evidence, the historical reliability of Scripture, okay, so that's a line of apologetics focused on demonstrating historical reliability of the Bible, uh, and looks at evidence and, and highlights that. Uh, the next one is the ontological argument. And this is the one that I got. I, I even looked at it and went, oh, I still don't quite understand that. It doesn't make sense. So, But you could go study that one and come up. I've just sort of put that. It's an argument there. And, and does anybody know what that is? Put up your hand and then I can send everybody to you. No. Okay. Okay. Next week, someone will be an expert in that field. Um, the problem of evil. That's a, a whole area about how do you explain evil in the world? And, and in a sense, how do you pl- explain suffering, pain, all that sort of thing? The more I look at the, the, the Bible reason for it and believing in God, it makes sense. But all the other, how else you explain it becomes very, very difficult. Uh, there's personal testimonies. Now, I know this isn't in the apologetics, but the reason you believe what you believe is actually very strong. You know, and, and the evidence of what's happened in your life. And you can explain it. Someone said the other day, and I I wrote it down, you know, when I look back at history, I've been living a miracle. And, and, you know, we're all living miracles. I mean, if you've had a child, you you know, you just go, this is a miracle. Everything that's happening around us is just a, a miracle. And then you try and explain everything using the five senses, and you can't. What about aliens? You can't, in the end, you've got to go, well, God could have done something. It could be a spiritual dimension. How do you explain the spiritual dimension? Again, it all makes sense when you go through and look at the testimonies. And then uh, the inference uh, to the best explanation, i.e., if you look at all the others, you know, for me, if I start looking at, at, at science and, and let's say evolution, uh, for me, it, does, it seems you've got to have more faith to believe that than you have to believe God. The more I look into things, you know, when you've got scientists who 10 years ago are going, this is how that was, this is how, how everything is, and they make out it's fact, and then here we are 10 years ago, and, they, and you go, what about that? And they go, oh, no, we don't think that anymore. What do you mean, though? I base my whole life on what you see there. No, nah, well, we've got more evidence now to say that that's not actually true. Oh, okay, so you're changing your mind as you go. And, and, you know, one of the things that gets me that I, I get frustrated with is that evolution is a theory. You know, anybody that's developing on how the world came into being is doing a theory. It's their theory based on the evidence. Here we are today. Can you explain to me what happened a million years ago? And basically what happens is, is that the more complex it is, the more millions and billions of years you ever have to add onto it. And the problem is, is they stated it fact. Oh, billions of years ago, this happened. No, our theory is, we believe, we think, and this is their belief, that it was back then. They they don't know. They weren't there. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing how quickly when people state something as fact, we start to believe it's fact. You know, because we like to believe in general, we like to believe what people say. <clears throat> so, 
Um, you know, uh, one of the things within the best example is, is things like uh, trying to explain, and I've got it here, the second law of thermodynamics, which I went and did a little bit of a Google search on and all that. But that basically is that everything tends towards disorder. Like that is saying that energy flows in here, and, and in the end, it's, this is a simple example. It's like going, my bedroom tends towards order. <laughs> How many people's bedrooms tend towards disorder? <laughs> it's just, it's just, and here we are, we're going looking at the world and going, no, no, without anything outside, it just tends toward order. You just sort of go, no, no, that doesn't, doesn't make sense. Okay, so let's get to this tech. What have I got? I've got 10 minutes left to go into this one. Let's just look at this, the, the teleological argument, okay? So this is about order and complexity in the universe. It begins by looking at the intricate order and the complexity that's found in our world. It looks at precise laws like the law of physics, the complexity of, complexity of biological organisms. Um, are you with me? Do you... Is it going up there? Oh, look, there, there we go. So, so the precise laws of physics, let's just look at those. That's things like gravity. Gravity is a huge thing that doesn't make sense, that they can't necessarily explain. And, and look, even just using my basics, I can't work out why, how we can be spinning around and not fly off because when I go on those merry-go-rounds and I, and I go faster and faster, I, I end up going out. But, but here we are on this world that, 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 that's spinning, but we're not coming off because there's gravity and everything's where it is. And, and then we're affected by this moon that goes around or, or we go around or, or the sun that we go around. And, 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 and so gravity is, is huge. How does that work? And the, the fact that it, it's at the amount of gravity that it is, that it isn't more when I'm being crushed down and made to be a lot shorter, and if it was less, I'd be a lot taller, and I'd be able to jump higher, but maybe I'd fall off the planet if I jumped. Like, the fact that it's in the right place. My goodness, it's, it's complex. So, um, and then electromagnet force. That's a whole other area too. The, there's all this electric magnetic things that are working around us that we need. And I won't even get into that because I don't even really understand it. But it's the force that governs interactions between electrical charged particles. Uh, things like electrons and atoms. How many people can remember science? How many people can't remember science because they were asleep? Oh, my goodness. But these are all got these things that are happening that are, that are around the electromagnetic force that we go, mate, we just, all, <laughs> we just all get on with our lives going, it's just the way it is. But this is complex and huge. Um, the next one is the conservation laws. And, and this is around the whole thing of uh, not conservation and uh, we need to save the planet. It's conversation of, conver- yes, of energy. I'm going too fast. Things like momentum and angular momentum, which I wasn't sure what the difference between momentum and angular momentum. The, the, the precise balance and order of the physical universe. Like, like, it's, it's, like you start reading it, and it is really interesting, uh, and, and, and there's so much information out there that you can read on, and you just go, this is mind-boggling. This is huge. Okay, the complexity of, um, of biological organisms. This you might understand. DNA. How many people know what DNA is? Like, DNA has got so much information in it. Where did that information come from? Are you saying that it just... Like, if you just look at DNA and the the instructions for how our whole body works, but DNA is all over the place. Like, this is really, really complex. And the more complex it is, the more you go, 
man, there has to be something behind this. You can't just go, it just appeared. Can you? No, oh, you just can't. Genetic instructions, um, reproduction. You know, the whole thing of the reproduction has to fit in the same time. And, and, you know, that something would die out if it didn't fit within a certain, you know. Like, if we all suddenly couldn't re- be reproducing, it would be all over in 100 years, wouldn't it? It's got to happen within that 100 years. Otherwise, it'll do, like, it's, it's time to perfection. Okay, the next one is... Um, Oh, and, and look in the, in, uh, yeah, okay, DNA, then the cellular complexity, and Dave does a great thing on uh, kinescens, kinescens, little, little, little um, oh, go have a look, man, it's really exciting. <laughs> I can't explain it, but it's amazing. And look, it looks at all these complexity of the, how the, the, the our, um, you know, the energy is transferred by these little things that carry energy, but then they stop and they know when to pick things up and when not to and how to do your cell. And, and, but you just live on not realizing all these little things are happening in your, in your body and in the world. Um, and then you've got ecosystems, you know, the interdependence of ecosystems. What do I mean by that? This is, this is one I probably understand the best. Food chains and ecosystems are interconnected. You know, you need food here for this, for this organism to live. For us, we need these foods. The fact that those two interconnect, they're, they're two completely separate things that are required for each other to, to work together. Um, symbiotic relationships. This is, this is cool. This is like pollination. And so you've got insects that fly around the world or fly around our world, that are needed for plants to survive. Like the plants don't survive unless these are here. They're too completely interdependent. They need each other. They don't exist out the other. So, so you can't sort of have that one was created a billion years before the other because the other one wouldn't exist. Does that, that make sense? Have I confused you? It's, they, they work together. And you're going, hey, that sort of had to happen in a pretty instant, instant time. And I mean, a lot of things that we live in are in a, in a, in a season, aren't they? Yeah. An annual season. That if suddenly they weren't there, how would they reproduce and, and what would happen to them, you know? Just simply, just take simply one tree that has seeds. But if that one tree's not able to produce, how long before... We have no trees. Like, like they had to be able to produce at the same time. It had to connect. I'm spitting. I'm so excited. <laughs> it's so exciting, isn't it? You just go, whoa. So um, there's, there's, um, there's the whole thing about the relationship of, of certain fish with those cleaning shrimp. And go talk to Brett about the, the um, turtles that go into the desert that somehow have worked out when to go into the desert. No one knows when it's going to rain, but they know three days before they head into the desert and then the rain comes. How did they know that? It's, 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 it's be, it, it has to be God. <laughs> it just has to be God. You can't. And then you've got the fine tuning of the, the universe. That's a whole other thing. Um, the remarkable degree of precision in the fundamental physical constraints and conditions that are necessary for life to exist. 
And I think they've got about at least 30 plus reasons that life, you know, that, that need to be in place for life to exist. And you don't have one of those and it doesn't exist. Let's take one away. Let's take oxygen away. How are we going to survive without oxygen? We can't. And this is one of about 30 different things. Water. Let's get, you know, because if we went closer to the sun, all the water would evaporate and disappear. And we'd all shrivel up and die. <laughs> like it's, like, I mean, I'm making it, I, I'm trying to do it at a level, but you go, you go study these things, you're going to come back and go, oh man, this is, this is complicated. Yeah. And then you use um, uh, what they call it, uh, oh, I can't even pronounce the word probably. An- That's it. Thank you. Analogies. <laughs> You know, you, you go things like, we, if, if I said to you this, this watch just appeared on my wrist, you go, that's not true. You go, someone had to put this watch together. I don't know where they lived, probably in some other place in the world. I hope they got paid well. Um, <laughs> but they put my, my watch together. You know, it's, it's like Elena did last week, the Boeing, having all the parts to a Boeing and, and, and having them sit out there on the, on, the, on the tarmac and then go, let's just wait for a hurricane to come through and we'll see if we've got a plane. Like, it's not going to happen, is it? And these analogies show, man, in the end, there has to be a creator. Now, even all that, still some people won't, won't believe because in the end, it actually comes down to our heart and our decision to believe. And, you know, like I put all those things out there, but in the end, no matter what you believe, you are taking a step of faith to believe it. If you're not believing in God, you're taking a step of faith to believe that there is no God. No different to believing their God. It's just that I feel that there's more evidence this way than there is that way. But that's my conclusion. And I could sit down with a smart person and they'd run rings around me with their knowledge. And I'd go, oh yeah, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't know. But in the end, I've got to make a choice on what do I believe and why do I believe it? And the more I look at the way the world is, the more I look at you and me and the way we live, I come to the conclusion without any doubt there is a God Jesus did live, he did die, and he died for our sins, and that I can have a relationship with God. I believe there is life after death. Like, I'm convinced of these things. Where are you at? Where does it leave you? In the end, you have a free choice. No one can make you believe. And, you know, we go on this journey all our lives weighing things up and looking at things and and assessing things. Musicians, you can come. And like Dave says, you know, no matter how much facts you have, you've still got to make a decision, and it's a faith decision. And I don't know where you're at. There'll be people in this room that, you know, in a sense, that have heard all sorts of things. And, you know, sometimes we just take things at face value and believe them without going and studying them. Don't, don't take what I've said. Go have a look at all those things. Go do a study. I mean, you can even use, um, what's that guy, the, the chat GP, um, the AI guy. Go ask him some questions. 
He's quite fascinating because some questions he doesn't want to quite answer. I asked them the question of, so if we had two human beings and they all had four kids, how long would it take having four kids, how many generations before we had eight billion people on the earth? And it goes, oh, well, look, there's a whole lot of variables in this and, and you know, there's wars and all those sorts of stuff and, and being able to feed it. But actually, actually it's only 15 generations wow. to get there. 15 generations. Wow. Oh, no, no, we don't want to believe that. Because then I asked the question of how, how, when was the first man, you know, humans? And they go, between uh, 150,000 years and 300,000 years ago. And then, then you start asking it about the 150 and it starts, it starts going, well, this is just a theory and, and we don't know for sure. And I'm going, mate, even, even AI can't give me the direct answer of the truth. There's so many resources out there. And I do really want you to go have a look at Dave's resource and come back and give him feedback on, on how you found it and what you find with it. Yes, it takes a bit of time. It does mean that you may have to stop looking at some YouTube or a movie for a, for a couple of nights. Watch it on TV, like on your screen, and just go, man, what do I think on this? Because this, this is, it is amazing. And there's extremely good evidence for why we believe in God. Isn't that good? Do you feel a bit better? Hopefully you feel better. I hope you don't go out going, oh my goodness. I'm... Hopefully you go out there hungry to go have a look at some things. I mean, we can't do it justice in two-part series. You, you can't do it justice. There's so much there. But the more I search and the more I look and the more I read, I go, man, God, you are amazing. You were before time began. You go on for eternity. You've created us with eternity in our hearts. We don't even understand how amazing we are. And God loves us. God's so amazing that he knows every individual in this, in this room. And he's watched you all your life. He knows all about you. He knows all your genealogy going back to the start. And he loves us. That blows me away. The God who created the complexity of this universe loves me, loves you. And your question you come back to is, what am I going to do with that? What do I do with all that I've got there? In the end, I bow my head and say, God, your creation is amazing. Thank you that you love me. Thank that you know me. And if you don't know him today, our joy every, every week is, is having people come and ask Jesus into their heart. It's, it's a journey, and it starts. And do I have all my questions answered? No way. And that's no different to the scientists. They find that for everything they get answered, they get another seven or eight questions. And I find that with God. The more I find out of God, the more I'm excited, and I go, whoa, this is amazing. But the more, oh, well, what about this? Like, like this is huge. You could spend your whole life just going on a study to find out about God and you'd be blown away and you still wouldn't find out everything. Do you know that there's people now on the earth that they're saying the information and the knowledge they have will be lost when they die because there's too much for it to be contained. And theories and things that people have have come up with will be lost because they they just can't. The fact that they've come to know it is part of their journey to come and know it that no one else will replete that journey to know what they know. That's amazing, isn't it? fearfully and wonderfully made.
Let's pray. Father, I pray this morning for every person in this room that, Lord, you'd be real to them. Lord, that as they seek you, they will find you. Lord, I pray you'd help us to live a life that makes a difference in this world because that's what you've called us to. Lord, we thank you for making yourself real to us. We thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for coming and dying for us. You are amazing. And I'm going to pray a prayer in a moment. I'd like everyone to pray it with me. And this is for people who, who are starting on that journey with God. Maybe you don't know him. It just starts with a prayer. It starts with asking him to be real to you. And we start on this journey of asking him into our life. We need to deal with the sin in our lives, that bias towards doing what's wrong, the, the evil that we have in the world that we all are biased toward. We need to deal with that first so we can connect with God. And it's as easy as asking and believing. Lord, help us to believe. And so I'm going to pray a prayer, and I'd like us all to pray it. And uh, if you're praying it for the first time, you just believe it, and, and you'll find that God will come into your life. So let's pray. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you created me. I thank you that you created the world. Please forgive me for all the wrong things I've done. Jesus, I thank you that you died on the cross for my sins. Please forgive me. Please come into my life. Please be real to me. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for each person here that their faith would grow stronger. And Lord, with us knowing what we know, Father, I pray you'd help us to live that out. Lord, to be people who rescue people, who follow and do what you taught us to do that would make a difference and make this world a better place. Help us to live for you. Lord, as we walk out those doors, wherever we go, Father, I pray we'd carry you, we'd carry your life, and we would share your life with those around us. We thank you. Lord, we thank you for Dave and, and all that he's done and uh, Dave and Heather and, and the, the whole, uh, even this uh, why Christians believe, Lord. We thank you for that. We pray that you would put your hand on that. Lord, that we pray that it would strengthen many faiths. Lord, that as people listen to it and study it and read it, Lord, their faith would grow stronger and stronger. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.